Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly roundup of all things food, drink and travel from the Olive Magazine team. My name is Laura Rowe, the editor of the magazine, and I'll be steering this good ship for this episode. In an extended chat, baker, author, food writer and the original Great British Bake Off winner Ed Kimber returns to Olive Magazine HQ to speak with our web editor Alex about pastry, pies and Japan. Ed lets us in on a few secrets about his perfect pastry recipe and talks us through the inspiration behind his indulgent pies in the November issue of the magazine. Plus, he talks to us about Japanese pastry traditions and naturally tempts us with tales of ramen after his recent trip. Without further ado, here's Ed and Alex. It's Alex here, and uh, this week's podcast is a pastry and pie special with the one and only Ed Kimber. Hello. <laughs> I like the idea of a pie and pastry special. It sounds yeah. like my life recently. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, that's why we've got you in. So Ed is, as many of you will know, is a baker and food writer with accolade of being the first Great British Bake Off champion when I looked in 2010. About 12 years old. <laughs> I did actually see a photo. I was Googling you before, and I did see a so photo. It's so cute. No, it's... <laughs> Yeah, my, my other half says uh, it looks like a completely different person because it, it does. It does, it, like it does. It looks like this little boy really who's, you know, stumbled onto a TV show. I bet you I bet you came across really well, like, because you're not really sweet. I think that helped, probably. I think just my stupidly ridiculous confident self helped without yeah. having any basis for it well and also your <laughs> skills because obviously you won sure um but then since then you've written three baking books mm-hmm. and appeared on many tv shows as well as contributing some fantastic features in yes. olive magazine but we'll come on to that later um so you've very much fine-tuned your baking skills in this time right yeah i say looking back at the show i would say actually my baking back then is almost I think it's really bad like I don't think it's very good I think the nation would probably disagree (laughs) I had really I was always one of those people that's obsessive so my knowledge has always been really good I don't think I had the skills back then to back it up necessarily okay yeah Um, I was a good baker I was probably better than your average home baker um but I look at what I did then and look at what I do now and it's miles apart but I also think 
that I was on a TV show. I'd never baked in front of another person in my life. Really? And so I think the nerves of kind of doing it on a TV show affects your skill level. But um, I do look back at some of the mistakes I made and go, oh, what are you doing? Oh, like, no. come on, this is the easiest thing in the world. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully after seven years of doing this as a job, I'm, I'm slightly better than I yeah. used to be. <laughs> well, well, actually, because we, we've tried lots of your pie recipes um, <laughs> this week and we're all feeling a lot heavier for it, but in a very, very good way. It's winter, um, it's fine. Yeah, it is. And it's also chocolate week this it week. Is. Um, and you wrote some incredibly indulgent chocolate recipes for us back in April, mm. including those amazing volcano chocolate cookies. Yeah. They, they were rye-based, weren't they? So they're rye flour, yeah, and I'm so happy about that recipe because one of my favourite things is when people actually take those recipes and make them. Yeah. And I don't remember another magazine feature for anybody that I write for those recipes being replicated and made so quickly and so regularly. Like Ah. the day after that magazine came out, people were making and posting pictures of those recipes. And those cookies get made so many times. They do still. Yeah. And I I love those. I think that's probably one of my all-time favourite features that I've written. Yeah. Those recipes are so much fun. Yeah, well, I think that was a thank you to you guys from Ed for making his recipes. (laughs) Because it must be really, really It's the nicest feeling. It really is. Like, I think one of the, the reason I do this job is I really want to encourage people to get in the kitchen and bake so mm-hmm. actually seeing that result is the best thing and it makes me really happy when people tell me that they've made something for their birthday or that you know their their friends I don't know anniversary or something it just makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing when people actually make those recipes yeah. so yeah I love seeing it so keep boosting my and ego posting yes, those pictures. yeah so the, there's a recipe for that the volcano cookies on olivemagazine.com and yes. um, also Ed chatted to our food director Janine on episode 45 of the podcast yes. more about those chocolate recipes so yeah. do have a listen to that but Today, as I said, we're picking your brains about pastry mm. and pies as comfort food season is officially upon us. But, at, well, it's comfort fair, food it's season fine. is always upon I us. I mean, yeah, let's but be real. This is when I'm a food writer. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My life is comfort. <laughs> but this is when we have uh, even more of an excuse yes. to be like, okay, I'm staying in and cooking a pie. Yeah, there's no more um, beach body season or... No, you know, well, yeah. Depends what your beach body beach is, body I guess. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like yeah. Um... So what was your first memory of eating something with amazing pastry? Do you have one? Yeah, I kind of always say that actually one of my first memories, and this is probably me, you know, making some stupid story because, you know, I need my food writer story (laughs) to sound amazing, but genuinely one of my earliest memories, I'm not going to say first because that sounds ridiculous, but one of my earliest memories is definitely uh, making mince pies with my mum. And I remember standing on a stool in the kitchen um, and I wasn't allowed to make the pastry. I was allowed to kind of cut out the circles. Okay, of the, the funnest job. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of one of those really simple things that a little kid is not going to mess up because of his like chubby little hot hands. <laughs> yeah. um, so I definitely remember making those since I was very, very little. Um, and it's kind of something that I do every year now and I have done, you know, since I was like four or five, I guess. Uh, well, not made them fully. It was four or five hours, not some pastry savant no, um, you are now. but it's one of those things that we made as a family and one of the first times I remember kind of making pastry and eating them um, but I think kind of I don't know I'm a northern kid so pastry was probably part of our regular life like yeah. pies were part uh, of our yeah. diet you know maybe not like a full double crust pie but you know we'd put on some puff pastry on top of a you know casserole kind of thing and call it pie yeah. so it's definitely part of my childhood for sure yeah, because people people do get a bit funny about calling things pie. Mm. If you if you've got a obviously the shepherd's pie and everything, which is, is <laughs> yeah, that's I that's tricky. That's a pie, but then in terms of like just having a top, people yeah. say that it's not a pie unless it's got a 
base inside. See, for me, as long as it has pastry on top, that's a pie. Yeah. So um, I don't mind kind of if you're cheating or doing something different. But for me, like putting pastry on the top of something means it's a pie. That's fine by me. And okay. if you've got it in a ceramic dish, that's fine. I mean, most of the time I can't be bothered to make a full double crust pie yeah. anyway. So yeah. I have no so problem with that tricky. whatsoever. Yeah. Well, so uh, yeah, as we know, back in the day when you won Bake Off, mm. um, a lot of challenges included the, like pastry techniques. Yeah. Um, which type of pastry do you think is the most challenging to make? Um, I think I think you've got that difference between challenging and rewarding, mm-hmm. and I don't think they necessarily are the same. So I think something like um, a phyllo pastry is probably the most challenging because it's an absolute pain to make at home <laughs> and on yourself, and yeah, there's absolutely probably it. no reason to. I mean, it involves tons of stretching. It's not something you can just roll out, and the amount of tears you're going to get are tons. Um, so... Also, the the cost, like the benefit of making it yourself, isn't that much better than saying you've made it. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes there's nothing wrong with going and buying the right pastry. So, you know, I will make puff pastry occasionally, but that's because you know my life involves butter and flour. So, mm. great things. Yeah, it's not a bad life, <laughs> but I think that that means that I'm probably more likely to do that. I don't necessarily think everybody at home needs to go and make their own puff pastry all the time. So, I think the key pastry that everybody should master is like the basics of a really good short crust pastry because it's probably the most flexible and the most useful for a home baker all right and so do you have any um tips to create like the perfect short crust pastry or yeah i think i think it can vary depending on what you're going to use it for Mm -hmm. um but my go-to these days is the one that i developed for this issue for the pastry issue yeah so that's um your flaky pie dough yes it's a really good kind of classic pie dough it's made quite differently which we can talk about later but it's just a really good all-rounder kind of short crust pie mm-hmm. dough and um, but it works for all sorts of different things so de- regardless of what kind of savory dish you're going to make at home if you want a, like a pie top for it or a pastry top for it it's a really good go-to pastry but it also works really well for sweet pastries oh, um so for me it's kind of my go-to at the moment yeah. but even just like i think one of the first pastries i would have learned is the basic half fat um half fat to flour ratio right which is basically you take whatever amount of flour you've got by weight add half the amount of butter by weight and then enough water just to bind it and that makes a really good simple pastry you need to then uh, up it by adding some salt and maybe a little bit of sugar for tenderness um, but that is the foundation of most pastry that's the ratio we start with at most times so learning that's a really nice thing because yeah. then you can adapt it to however you like yeah but, that's um, really good isn't it because that's what i love about um like cooking and mm. baking I I'm less of a baker, so I often think that um, you have to have a very strict um, ingredient list and yeah. quantities. However, like you just said, if you know what what ratios you need to play with, then you can alter it. Can't yeah, you? totally. It's really there's, creative. Um, there's a woman in America who um, is kind of a, she's a food stylist. She works for a couple of websites. And, um, she has a book coming out very soon called um, I'm going to forget the name Fearless Baker. And she said something online the other day that really stuck with me. And it's something I've kind of been articulating in a different way, but she basically said that, you know, everyone thinks baking is a science. And it is, but once you know the rules, you can then start playing around. Mm. And I think that's a really nice way of thinking about it because I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't like baking because I can't follow the rules so much. I'm like, well, if you know the rules, you can then break them. Yeah. And so I think that's a really nice that's, way of learning that's it. That's a nice so. one. If you know the rules, then you can break them. Yeah, that's going that to be my, my, my new way of doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so speaking of, yeah, making the rules and then breaking them, you have <laughs> lots of incredible pies in the November yeah. issue. Um, so you've got this flaky pie dough recipe yeah. as your base. Which um, I tested so many times. 
times. And and <laughs> rightly so because it's created the most amazing recipe. I became obsessed recipe. with it. I really became obsessed with it. And what what makes it so special? Um, so. This, again, probably sounds like, you know, some fable that a food writer has invented to make it sound fancy. <laughs> we'll but trust it, you, it is we? genuinely true. So um, me and my partner, we had gone for a quick, cheap holiday to Lisbon, which is a place that I love. Oh, I love it. And mainly because they serve custard tarts, which is my favourite thing in the world. Mm. And um, I get really obsessive when I'm in a country and I'm, like, watching bakers make things. I want to learn how they make it. And I still don't believe that... Uh, puff pastry is quite the right pastry for a custard tart. I don't think it's exactly what they're making. I think right. it's something slightly different. Mm-hmm. So I was watching their technique, and it isn't exactly a puff pastry. It's It's got more in common with a mix of phyllo and um, Yeah, because it does have pastry. that phyllo, um, yeah, all the layers. Yeah, it has more of a shatterness to it. Yeah, yeah and yeah, they, yeah. They, they do, that kind of breaks apart It does, it's, just, it's not quite the same. Like If you've ever tried to replicate one at home with puff pastry, it doesn't taste the same. It's no. not quite right. So I was kind of watching these bakers make it, and I was watching them roll up the dough and I was thinking about, okay, so they are laminating in butter like a, um, like a puff pastry. But they were doing it in a different way. They were adding in lamination by kind of rolling, literally rolling the dough up. And so I, I was playing around with these recipes just after we came back and I was trying to get a pastry that had the benefits of being tender and flaky. And there's ways you can incorporate the butter to make it flaky, which is one of the things I did. But I wanted to add in more flakiness. And so I just tried. Uh, I quickly made the dough, and then I rolled it out and um, then rolled it up into like a sausage shape. Okay. And adding in those layers where there's tiny, tiny remnants of flour on the dough still... Oh, of course, ..just yeah. helps to give a little extra flakiness. So there's kind of two things that gives the dough real beautiful... T- well, Multiple things. One of them is um, the way you incorporate the butter, which is a little unusual. So um, a lot of recipes will have you rub it into a certain stage, but Mm -hmm. mine has uh, two stages. So you rub in a quarter of the butter until it's really nice and fine, and that adds tenderness to the pastry because you're coating the flour in fat, which makes the dough more tender. But then the other three quarters, you basically cut into small pieces and then you press them flat into these irregular-shaped discs almost. And then you add the liquid to the dough like that. So you have big chunks of butter in nice flat layers so that when you roll it out, you get these kind of smears of butter running through. And that creates classic kind of flakiness. But then you add tenderness to the rubbed-in butter and then you roll it up again to add this extra level of flakiness. Um, Lots of butter. It's really, it's, it like. sounds really technical, but actually when you make it, it's not that complicated. But um, it's a lot of different techniques in there. But, um, but yeah, I became really, really obsessed with it. And I think I made the dough at least 10, 15 times. Wow. Which, considering uh, how you kind of work as a food writer, that's silly. That is but a lot of times. It really we do, we, we test all of our recipes three times, yeah. and that's something we're really proud of. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. A lot of um, people don't, don't no, test at all. Not at all. So ten to fifteen, yeah. um, and just then you're home. That it. is yeah. pretty epic. Well, I really like <laughs> commitment. My, yeah, commitment. <laughs> I really like when my recipes work. I think the the worst label you can get as someone who develops recipes is that they don't work. Yeah, you know, everybody's heard. I think in the food industry as well, that people talk about people's recipes that don't work. And, I know, it's and it's, awful. There's big names who are kind of known for not testing their recipes yeah. or for recipes that don't work. We won't mention any of those. No, 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 don't want to get too. Um, but I, I find it, it's a really big responsibility to make sure my recipes work. So the yeah. thing that I'm really proud of is the fact that people tell me my recipes work because yeah. I really want them to because I, I don't want to put someone off by, you know, kind of not really putting the work in and then someone going, it doesn't work or 
them assuming that it's because something they did, so they don't bake again because they got put off by a mistake. Yeah. So it's really important for me to... Oh, it is, yeah. yeah. That's why we get on so well, hey, Olive <laughs> and Ed. Um, so let's talk about that incredible pie <laughs> on the front cover of the November yeah. issue. So just for those of you who haven't seen it, um, but you should go, you and, go and buy it. Go and buy it. I think this issue to be the bestseller because it's got me on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a single crust crumble mm. made with this epic flaky pie dough. Yeah. We've got that on them um, on olivemagazine.com as well with the recipe um, with a berry filling and a cardamom crumble. Yeah. So I love cardamom, and so when I found out, I actually am gutted because I wasn't in the office when it was tested, which well, is Well, thankfully, it's fairly easy shame. to make. Yeah, I'm going to make it. It's definitely going to be the first thing I make from this issue. It's, it's quite funny because um, Janine, the food editor for Olive, I have to say to her every time I see her, I'm sorry, this one's got cardamom in it too because I'm obsessed with cardamom, and so I sneak it in wherever I think it works. Um, so it's in chocolate recipes of mine, it's in fruit, it's just everywhere. And so I jokingly say that this one's called cardamom too. <laughs> um, but this recipe is kind of, um, this one's definitely inspired by kind of like classic, actually all of these are kind of inspired by classic American style pies, not okay. necessarily British pies. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know, there's just something really nice about a really simple fruit pie. And actually of all the recipes in this feature, this is one of the simplest ones because the filling is literally just fruit tossed together with sugar. Great. Uh, and then some lemon juice, if my memory serves me right, uh, for tartness. And then some corn flour for thickening. Um, and then you make a really simple crumble like you would do for a normal um, apple crumble, say. But it just has a little bit more flavour in it with the cardamom. Mm-hmm. And that just gets put into a partially baked pie, uh, pie uh, base. So it's actually... It's so impressive because it's so tasty and because the kind of fruit bleeds up around the edges, it looks so tasty. It really does. Um, But actually, you can make most of it ahead of time. So the crumble, you can freeze. The pastry, you can refrigerate for up to three, four days. So actually... It's a, it's a really good one if you kind of want to throw something together kind of at the last yeah. minute. Yeah, and it looks stunning, like, with all the crimping around the yeah. edge as well. Well, that's one of the things, yeah. So um, crimping, people are really, really afraid of. But actually, it's not that complicated once you've done it once. Okay. So um, it's one of those things you need to kind of watch someone do it or have someone show you how to do it because sometimes it's not the easiest thing to read a description of. Okay. Um, but once you've learned it, it's a skill that you'll use all the time. So... You are going to be doing Facebook Live, aren't you, yes. for us? Um, actually, it'll be in the past tense when you hear this. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I think we just did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we're Wednesday now, um, and Ed's in the office, but um, I think you'll be listening to this on Friday. Yes. But, um, so if you check out the Facebook Live on our Facebook page, yeah. um, you're going to show us how to lattice. You're going to show you how to crimp. lattice and how to crimp as well. So, yes. Um, so the really la- good techniques. So the latticing is because... Um, you created an incredible lattice <laughs> topping for this amazing pie. And it's yeah. got a very long name. It's a whiskey <laughs> it really and does. rye salted caramel apple pie. But you need to highlight all of yeah, those yeah, things because it's, it's quite so, so special. What made you choose these ingredients? Especially like the, the rye and whiskey in the pastry. Yeah, this so doesn't the, use your flaky pastry. It does. It uses a version of oh, it. it yeah. Okay. So um, all the recipes in this feature use that one pastry as mm-hmm. a master pastry, just changing it in subtle ways. Um, the filling is completely inspired by a bakery in New York called um, 4 and 20 Blackbirds. Okay. And their pies are just incredible. Um, and so I wanted to kind of replicate that feeling. So um, they did a salted caramel pie years and years ago. 
And I'd made one a while ago and really liked the idea of it. So I've just set myself a kind of challenge of making my own version of it. But the whiskey and rye thing was, um, it started off as a name. I just really liked the name whiskey yeah. and rye. And those, you know, obviously rye whiskey yeah. is a thing. So Very clever. Ed. The idea, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Um, the idea is to kind of incorporate all that together. Now, the reason there's rye in it is we use some rye flour too, yes. which just does change the texture of the pastry. It's not quite as flaky as when you make it with plain flour, okay. um, but it adds this real, real nuttiness to it. And I'm kind of obsessed with rye flour. It's yeah. a really, really nice yeah. flavor. And you can't use it 100% because you'd have to change the recipe entirely because it has different protein content it Mm -hmm. absorbs water in a different way um but we use an element of it in the dough to make this really really flavorful dough um pastry that stands up against the apples and the caramel and doesn't get lost in there it really marries together really well and the whiskey comes from the fact that my flaky pie dough has alcohol in it so normally it's vodka or a flavorless alcohol okay um is that to make it it's for a couple of things. So um, the reason you add a little bit of alcohol, and this is kind of an old uh, tip that's been around for quite a long time now, but basically when you add water to pastry, it starts to make it tough because it activates the gluten. Yep. Okay. Uh, alcohol has very little water content, so it doesn't activate it as much. So it helps reduce uh. the um, gluten activation in the pastry. Uh, basically, it makes it slightly more tender um, because it evaporates really quickly in the, uh, in the pastry when it's baked. So... Yep. Um, it's one of those things where you're only adding a couple of tablespoons, so it does make a, a slight difference. Um, and the whiskey addition is just because it gives a little bit of background flavour. It's really subtle. Um, you don't have to use whiskey if you don't want to, but um, it does add a little bit of background flavour. Mm, um, I love whiskey, so... Yeah, yeah well, if you really like whiskey, what you can do is add it to the caramel as well, and then you oh, get a real yes. whiskey flavour. Um, but I decided that not everybody would want to do that, so we keep no. it slightly more simple. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a great tact. Um But so... You've got also got some savoury pies in the yes, future. Yes, two of them in the um, future. They are fab. fab. Yeah, so there's them. a really traditional, well, more of a traditional chicken, yeah. leek and tarragon and bacon pie. Yeah, and yeah. then more of a, like a fun um, twist. So it's like a, a hand pie. Yeah. So can can you just tell That's us My obsession that? with America again. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the hand pies are definitely an American thing. Um I don't think we, as us as Brits, have the term hand pie, really. It's no, not really I, I have to admit, I hadn't. I've seen it, but I yeah, yeah, don't yeah. really know what it means. Well, it's kind of a version of a turnover. So kind of the definition in some ways is a turnover is a one piece of pastry that's folded over to seal the filling in. Right. Whereas a hand pie is where it's kind of two pieces of pastry that have been pressed together. Okay. But basically, it's just a pie that you can fit in your hand. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a savoury version of a Pop-Tart, let's say, mm. uh, but slightly tastier, although yeah. I do love a Pop-Tart. Yeah. Um, and those ones are kind of almost pizza-esque fillings. It's got... Um, it's like calzone-esque, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's got lots of pork in it, loads of fennel, because I'm obsessed with fennel, mm. um, and tomato and mozzarella. And it's just... Uh, one, of my, one of my friends described it as a sausage roll, which I um, strongly disagreed with, because it looks nothing like a sausage roll. No. But it does have that really meaty, savoury filling that you kind of expect from that sort of thing. Um, the other one, the chicken pie, is comes from two places. One, I did a version of this pie on Bake Off years and years ago, um, and if you actually watch that episode, the pastry is weirdly white. It has no colour on it whatsoever. Oh. And I, I can't remember what went wrong, but they loved it. Paul called <laughs> it the perfect pastry, which is wow. rubbish because it's like white. It's like this table. You pretended it was supposed to be like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's pale pastry. It's great. Um, and then, but the actual reason it came to this feature is um, <laughs> I was trying to uh, kind of, I was dating my partner at the time. It was early days. And so um, I cook when I date people because I'm like, 
that's, that's yeah. the way to, to win someone's heart. Yeah. Um, and so I, he was telling me about this pie or something. And so I decided to make him this pie as like, wow, okay. this will win him over. And thankfully it has. We've just had our first year anniversary. Amazing. So, um, but this I was is joking, your anniversary pie. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but I jokingly said to him that, um, oh, you know, I'm going to get this pie on the cover because, you know, it didn't go on the cover. But um, it basically was uh, this dish that I tried to create to kind of um, win, win him somebody. over and it is now one of his favourite things. Well, so. so if anybody wants to know how to win <laughs> over their love, your, then yeah. make this pie. <laughs> but I think it's the same thing you're talking about comfort. It's just, oh, it's yeah. the best thing for the kind of autumn, winter Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Um, I would make this all the time if it, was, if it was a little quicker. So I think the great thing is you can make the filling and do a puff pastry top, no problem. And then if you really want to do something a little extra level, make the full-on pie. Okay. Um, it's so tasty. We actually now serve it at home um, with like a mustard mash and it's just Ooh. so good because the mustard in the pie is like um, layering in flavour. So it's not the dominant flavour. The dominant flavour is the, um, the white wine and the tarragon, mm. which is punchy um but adding that mustard mash with that some whole grain mustard is just ah. really really tasty so come the next month or so i'll be making this pie a lot yeah probably. i definitely yeah. have i've earmarked it as well <laughs> it's definitely hunkered down in the cold yes. weather sort of thing so um as well as both being from yorkshire and loving pies and cardamom <laughs> as <Yep>. well <laughs> we both have a bit of a, an obsession with traveling mm. don't we um, yeah i love it and a lot of your recipes are inspired by your yeah. travels. I yeah, know yeah, we've totally. spoken about the custard tarts from yeah. Lisbon. Um, is there anything else that you can... I mean, everything really is inspired either by my childhood or generally by travel or something I've seen elsewhere. So, I mean, I wrote a whole book on France because oh. I'm obsessed with French baking. Um, I have a lot of influence from America and Canada where I have family Um but wherever I travel, I'm always trying to pick up things just mm. because I'm fascinated by the way other people do things, but also by the connection. So I think if you look at something like um, donuts, for example, most cultures around the world have a version of a donut yes. or a fried dough. Um, and so I'm fascinated by those connections, but also the differences. So, um, yeah, I'm actually working on a proposal for something at the moment, which involves effectively travel and it's mainly so I can go and travel <laughs> yeah well why not hey yeah and yeah. that's what I love about um like food travel yeah. and you really get to see a culture so whenever I go to a city I don't really go to the museums mm. and the landmarks I'll be like right I need to go to this bakery I need to go to that yeah. sushi place yeah, and then as you're walking along you see people living their lives you go yeah. to the cafes I, just I think love you actually it. get to see more of the real country that yeah, way you actually you get a more a greater understanding um we just came back from japan yes and... i don't think i've ever been more <laughs> envious of... it, was, it was quite funny because um my partner he'd always he'd been planning this trip before we met um and he invited me on the trip after we've been dating for a little while and so you know i tra- i plan all my trips through food and i've been doing some research and doing some planning and I said to him, like, you must have been, like, what was the thing you wanted to go to Japan for? Like, I'm just looking at food things. Like, what do you want to do? What was the reason you wanted to go to Japan? And he looked at me and said, food. Mm-hmm. And that was like, okay, yep, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is a, this is a good pairing We're going to be together up. for yep. a while. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I travel always via food. I think it's the best way. I think it's yeah. the most 
A, it's the most interesting to me. Also, I, I really like the connection to the place you actually get rather than more sterile tourist stuff. Exactly, yeah. So the um, the Japanese take their patisserie and mm. pastry very seriously, don't they? Yeah. Did you visit many pastry shops yes. and patisserie places? Uh, one of our friends said, oh, you'll lose weight in Japan. <laughs> I think so, because like, all the food's really healthy. Oh, like, yeah, uh, I know, yeah, I suppose like people no. think of sushi and like raw fish. Yeah, but, but ramen's not that healthy and it's no, the best thing in the world. Really unhealthy. Um, there was, yeah, we, we basically probably had something sweet almost, well, definitely every day because it's me. <laughs> um, but I was really fascinated by the Japanese approach to baking because um, one of my friends who's a pastry chef in Paris says that, you know, they take French baking and they perfect it. You know, you can have like Pierre May, who's like known as the Picasso mm, of pastry. Yeah. He has many, many shops in Japan. And some people think that his baking in Japan is better than his baking in Paris, which I'm not sure I'd agree with. But the level of precision in, like, patisserie and higher patisserie is incredible. But that wasn't necessarily the stuff that interested me. It was more the stuff that's from Japan itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this thing called um, Hokkaido uh, cheese tart. And basically, it's like an individual cheesecake tart. And Ooh. I became so obsessed with them that it's on my list of, like, the first thing I need to try and replicate. Okay. They're so has s- it got pastry around the outside Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's like a biscuit pastry. Like, almost, it looks kind of the same form as a Portuguese tart. It's mm-hmm. quite small. Um, and it's like a biscuit base pastry, not like a really flaky or tender. It's much more like a vanilla sugar cookie kind of dough. And they blind bake it, and then they add in this kind of, cheese custard and it's like a cream cheese custard but it has i'm convinced it has some egg white whipped through it because it has like a slightly moussey texture okay. but it's barely sweet so you've got this kind of sweet vanilla pastry and this barely sweet kind of cheesecake it's so good mm. and they ring a bell when the hot ones come out amazing and, um, it's incredible it was Watch so so the good space for you developing <laughs> yeah. the recipe maybe well, that, an that olive magazine go- next that year. might be going in a book so that, <laughs> that might take like um, two years to, to well, hit shelves so, well yeah we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be patient um and I know because they're so um, the attention to detail mm. is incredible. It's insane, and yeah. um, you did an Instagram takeover for us um, when you were in Japan, and you posted a traditional breakfast box <laughs> yeah. that was just it absolutely was, stunning. Yeah, it was kind of an odd one because I really wanted to try it. So um, we were staying at this beautiful, like ridiculous hotel called the um, Prince Gallery, which is a fairly high end hotel, and that's partly the reason we had this breakfast because. Japanese breakfast, as a tradition, is not dying out, but it's harder to find. You can't just go into, like, a cafe and order a Japanese breakfast. Um, That's actually more likely you'll get a coffee and a thick toast with butter on it. That's kind of another classic Japanese breakfast. Great. I'm not complaining about that. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Um, And this breakfast is much more of a ceremony. Okay. Like, when you order it, the hotel kind of say, okay, that'll be 20 minutes before we can get it to you. Um, and it's this it's lots of tiny little dishes all together in this beautiful cabinet and it always includes fish pickles some sort of egg element and then in mine there was some like sesame tofu um there was a sour uh, dried plum it was this incredible uh almost over the top thing but it was so beautiful but the hotel were very surprised when we ordered it because Westerners just don't ever order it. it's not even on the menu you have to ask for it I see Um, but it was an incredible experience but not necessarily my favourite no. breakfast. Only so because it's just unusual it's ramen. To me. Is that what you <gasps> go for? Oh, so um, yeah, we became. Obs- I was already Literally obsessed with ramen, love but it. Um, we discovered something that I stupidly never heard of before called dipping ramen, which is Ooh, um, I'm going to forget how to more. say it. Uh, suk, suk, suk ramen. I'm going to say it wrong. 
Um, but basically, the sauce is like a thicker version of the broth, so it's reduced and it's thick. Okay. And then that comes hot, but the noodles come cold. Sometimes. It's like sometimes you have hot. udon noodles. It's exactly the yeah. same, yeah. And basically, you scoop up some of the noodles with your chopping chopsticks and then you dip them into the sauce and then you slurp them up. And because the sauce is more concentrated, it's a real, real packed full of flavour dish. Wow. And we became obsessed with it. I think we tried to eat it almost everywhere it was available. Yeah, it just became not, our eh? favourite, favourite thing. And sadly, I can't find many places that serve it here. So oh. um, it may be something we have to try and replicate because yeah. it's so good. There is Koya um, bar in yes. Soho, which they have udon noodles, the yeah. dipping ones. Well, so I've also if- heard that um, Tim Anderson's place, Namba, uh, sometimes has it on the menu so okay. I need to check that out because um, I love Tim's cooking so okay um, so I think we're probably running out of time a little bit <laughs> is there anything else in Japan that you wanted to get in there oh, that you have um, that amazing I, oh uh, one of the things that I loved and I'm like, stupidly ups- uh, no literally which one um, so they have this thing called Ekiben so um, we all know what a bento box is, but Ekiben is a train bento box. And every train station, if you look for it, will have an Ekiben shop. Oh, cool. And they sell the local dish, so or the local version of the Ekiben. So each one's different. So if you're traveling around Japan and you're getting the bullet train, also you can eat on the bullet trains. You're not supposed Bad. to eat on the metro, but you can okay. on the bullet trains. And you can get these beautiful, beautiful boxes that are so elegant for like a packed lunch. Um, and some of them, and I didn't get to try this, and I'm so disappointed. You pull a string on the box, and it steams. It actually <gasps> cooks it and heats it oh up for gosh. you. Oh, my gosh. Whereas right. most of the ecubens are cold. Get but, me there um, now. I'm just obsessed with the place. I desperately want to go back. Like, yeah. I've been back two weeks, and I'm itching, like trying to figure out how I get myself back as soon as possible. Yes, well, I'll join you if you, if you, need, <laughs> if you need anyone to go with. Um, well, yeah, so we'll have to leave it there. But thank you for coming in to chat to us. My pleasure. And feed us with so many pies. <laughs> um, and if you guys want to hear more from Ed, listen to episode 45 of the podcast yes. or head to our Facebook page to see the Facebook Live and also his amazing pie recipes <laughs> along with that flaky pie dough are on olivemagazine.com and in the November issue. Yes. So thanks so much. My and pleasure. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much. Bye. Big thanks to Ed for this special episode and do check out that Facebook video. Such great tips on there and to you for listening. If you love our podcast as much as we love making it, then do us a favour and if you haven't already, please can you review and rate us on iTunes. It takes seconds and just means that even more lovely listeners like you get to hear us. You can buy Olive Magazine in all good news agents and supermarkets. You can read us online at olivemagazine.com or via our digital app and we're on all the social medias at Olive Magazine. So no excuses then really. Get reading and get cooking and we'll see you next week.